Welcome to Coming Up for Air, the Allies in Recovery podcast, with hosts Laurie McDougall, Kayla Solomon, and Dominique Simone Levine. Okay, Dominique, Kayla, today we're going to talk about treatment, a really complicated subject, but why don't you take it away, Dominique? This was your idea. The, these were your thoughts and you really feel it needs to be addressed. I think it's a great topic for us to talk about. What are we talking about? We're talking about the fact that craft is designed. One of its principal goals is designed to help the family learn how to engage their loved one into treatment. It's the main goal. It's the whole reason craft was designed. We understand that many, many people with addiction issues are resistant to doing anything about it, are resistant to stopping, uh, looking at it, going to treatment. So everything that Kraft does has that goal. And that's the original research work. And that's done over 12 weeks. And at the end of it, in the studies, families were given therapy to give their loved one available therapy at the University of New Mexico. So you engage your loved one into treatment and that treatment was right there at the university. And so lickety split problem solved or at least the start of it. And what happens in applied craft, the way we do it with allies in recovery is that families are addressing the same issues as they did in the research, but there isn't available treatment at the end of it. So we've developed a whole treatment finding methodology that we have online available on our site, places to look for treatment that you might not have thought about, like universities, departments of psychology, professors, grants uh, that have been given by the federal government to areas where it's you don't need insurance, it's grant-funded services. So, so lots of nooks and crannies of where to find treatment. We know how complicated it is with insurance companies or Medicaid or no insurance. And so we know how hard it is and it's an ongoing process. Your loved one may be okay today, but in six months may need something. Maybe there's a relapse into opioids and he's finally, or she's finally willing to consider a medication assisted treatment. That's treatment, right? So from a suboxone to antabuse or naltrexone for alcohol. There are a few things coming online that may work with stimulants to outpatient therapy. So many times people think of treatment and they just think of a rehab, like they're going away and they're gonna come back all cleaned up, ready to go. And that is not at all the situation. Any family that's been through that knows that A, the worry doesn't stop when they go into treatment or when they come out. So, and everybody's learning how to not use and how to not have active addiction. So it's, it's a process. And in that process, you may need to go look for things to provide help for your loved one. And also with Allies in Recovery, we've really broadened the term treatment to include any wellness activity that you feel might substitute for using behavior or might help the person develop, I don't know, a little more insight, some exercise, lots of things that are important to being in recovery that isn't necessarily a professional treatment or a paraprofessional treatment. We now have recovery coaches all over this country, uh, drop-in centers through community recovery organizations. So there's there's a lot out there, but it's 
can be really hard to figure it out. It's overwhelming, complicated. A lot of it costs money. So we try to do our best in helping our families understand the treatment landscape. Craft also, when it's done to its full extent, the way we do it at Allies in Recovery, I feel like the treatment is actually also starting between you and your loved one. That is almost treatment. We're teaching you how to communicate, how to reflectively listen, how to case manage, how to stay safe, how to engage, how to take care of yourself. These are all topics that would be covered by treaters. Um, so we're teaching you the skills of treatment. And in some ways, if you apply and learn these skills of treatment, you may reduce the need for outside treatment, not eliminate it, but reduce it because things are calming down. There's more of a connection. Maybe these other wellness activities are taking hold and you're not seeing so much the need for them to just go away to rehab somewhere, which is the traditional thing to do. I, I would talk about a family I'm working with right now, the young mother, the husband's been drinking. She does not want him home around her five month old. That's understandable, right? But with a little bit of allies in recovery for her, this is a family that was sent to me. So I've been talking to the, the young man, the father who has a drinking problem. And we also added in somebody to represent the five-month-old. What is best for the five-month-old? And so originally the family thought, get him out of here. I'm not going to trust him for a very long time. We need to separate. He can't come home. And where we are today is they're going to both move to his grandmother's. He's going to do a partial hospitalization and he's going to be able to stay living at home, uh, staying living with his wife and his baby, but there'll be somebody over overseeing things and some additional help at home. He's going to have to lose his job to do this, but the plan is coming together and the family's going to stay together and they've already started to understand each other better and they're calmer and he's doing really well. So that's not an outcome you might have thought of for yourself and your husband or wife or your spouse or your whoever you're parenting with. But I could see how getting her calmed down and into allies and doing some communications work settled her down, an understanding of what was important to her baby and some oversight to protect her and the issue of mistrust, which is going to be around for a long time, right? So it's an example of how things can work out when you include every person and you look around and, and understand that the treatment system has all these different levels and you don't necessarily go away to treatment. And even if uh, simply getting a loved one to go to a therapist is treatment, get your loved one in front of any professional, that should be the beginning of treatment if they know what they're doing. If they feel that treatment is needed, it should be their responsibility to hang on to that person. I mean, that, that has been a problem with craft because we only go to the door of treatment. We can't control the treatment once they're in there. But the idea of getting them in front of a professional, if you feel there is the need for treatment, any professional that is doing their job should recognize that something more is needed, recognize that there is a problem and move that person to the next right place. I love your example of this family and them moving in with the grandmother and the grandmother becoming a part of it. Because to me, this is a perfect example of 
You heal the family, you treat the family, you improve the outcomes. When we're talking about substance use disorder as like a family or a community illness, it's got to be the community and family that gets healed in order to have the best results. Um, so I absolutely love this. And I really think it's important for people to understand that craft is a form of treatment. It's treatment for the family because the family is really, really learning some healing skills and strategies, not only for themselves, but for their loved one. And that craft is an ongoing, like you said, in the research, it ends once the person goes into treatment. But Allies in Recovery has created this incredible craft program that it doesn't end when the person goes, goes into treatment. It's continual. It goes on and on. You're, you're learning craft skills and strategies until they become second nature. And just that alone is continued engagement in treatment for your loved one, as well as for yourself. And on top of that, the statistical information says that the longer a person is engaged in treatment, the better the results, the better the outcomes. Help heal the family, better outcomes. When I just keep thinking about this continuity piece that you're both talking about, which is that it's not, treatment is not a moment in time that you go into and you come out of. And I really appreciate what you just said, Lori, because I I think of allies in recovery as treatment for the family as well. And I think that, you know, like more and more over time, I I there's the the modules and the tools that we're asking you to use. But the real impact of allies is that you're part of a community and you can get support. And I feel like that's the model that works for all therapy is that you're not doing it in a vacuum. You're not alone. It's the C in craft, which is community. And we define community as the support around the family members, the support around the loved ones that are using. And we're not individuals who can operate alone and just forge through. And I feel like so many of our family members come in and they want to learn what they could do and just barrel through and figure out what they need to do and just do it. And then everything will be okay. And that doesn't work because there's another person who has completely different focus than you do. And they're not going to just do what you want. What we're talking about is this kind of composite of changes, what I would call it, which is that if you start working on yourself, if you start calming your system down, if you start learning tools to communicate better, if you start refocusing the issue into connection as opposed to fixing things. And I, it's ironic that we're talking about treatment because that looks like, oh, it's the ultimate fix. Okay, they're in, done. And you're not like dropping somebody off at the curb and then it's over. It's the beginning of something. And then what's your part in that therapeutic process, which is if you calm your system down, you become a safe person. If you are engaging in a way that's more positive and connected, the person feels more cared about and safer with you. If you are not reactive, then you're not a part of the problem. Because let's face it, we all know that what it's like to be part of the problem when we're hysterical, when we're bossing people around, when we're trying to fix things, we become part of the problem. And so what we're talking about in Allies and Recovery is how do you identify what, you, what you're doing that works and what, how do you identify that what you're doing that doesn't work and then back it up so that you can make better choices? I love what you're talking about too, Kayla, because I do think a lot of family members think 
I'm going to drop them off at 30 days. Or oftentimes I can tell you right now, when I first started on my journey and I call it a journey because it is a journey, it's a journey and it's a process. It's not a drop them off and they're going to wash, dry them, fold them, and then mail them back to me. And, and all's good. We'll just keep going. I remember when I first started on my journey, thinking that, of course, he would go away for at least six months. And then getting a huge slap in the face when I learned that one month was a long time. And I was going to have to pay through the nose if I wanted it, if I wanted the one month, you know, in any kind of facility that oftentimes insurance decides. In fact, I remember at one point, my son had gone away, was actually in a facility. He was there for like three or four days and the insurance came back and denied his claim and said, you know, our viewers can't see it right now, but Kayla's jaw just dropped. It was awful because what they did was they put him, they literally called us up and said, he's on a bus on his way back. Go pick him up. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. And when I picked him up, he was crying. He was like, I'm finally ready. And they freaking kicked me out. And that was my first like real smack in the face of, oh, this is not good. This is going to be difficult. And I think that this is an important piece, kind of like what, what Dominique was talking about, that it ain't easy to find treatment. I mean, oftentimes it takes weeks or months to get a bed for someone in that form of treatment. So be open-minded. One, understand it's a process. It's a journey. It is not, you know, wash, dry, fold, and they come home and everything's better. Also, two, it's oftentimes there's multiple pathways to recovery. There's multiple options and there's more and more options opening up to your loved ones as time goes on. I was just thinking about, I was working with someone down in Florida, actually trying to help them get their loved one, or at least have that list ready for when the moment came up that it was time to possibly talk about treatment. But there's this new, I think it's it's a more holistic approach. And I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. They have it in Rhode Island. There's a medical group called Thunder Mist in Rhode Island. Their approach is you need to see a primary care, one of our primary cares. They're going to do an evaluation and everything is done in-house. If you need help with substance use disorder, they're going to help you with that. Whatever it is, they're treating the whole person. And a lot of family members don't even know like this option is out there or recovery community organizations, which by the way, I want to let all our listeners know, don't Google it because what you'll end up getting is, is a whole bunch of um, the high pressured kind of sales. You got to know what you're looking for. But a lot of these recovery community organizations offer up services for free, typically for free in your state to help your loved one with whatever it is they need. And your loved one doesn't have to be in recovery in order to have a recovery coach. And just kind of like one more added piece to this, Massachusetts has a medical organization, I think it's called Column Health. They utilize peer recovery coaches, but they don't get paid through the insurance if the recovery coach isn't uh, like producing particular results. So there is a lot of incentive 
to the recovery coach and to Column Health in order to help people with their recovery. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different options when we're talking about treatment. And I want our listeners to know, we're not just talking about going into a 30-day treatment facility or a detox, or it might include that, but it also might not. It could mean CrossFit gym. It could mean going to a, a meditation Zen kind of place or yoga. I mean, there's just multitude of options to try and help your loved one get engaged in some form of recovery. Yeah. So activities and treatment, recovery activities, health and exercise activities, all of that. And what I recommend for families is the minute you join Allies in Recovery, you start working on that list. List of things your loved one used to do, they might like to do, glass-blowing internships. I've helped families think of all kinds of things, potentially, that would gain their loved one's interest sufficient so that they don't use for a while. That That is the key in craft, is substituting wellness activities, behaviors for using activities. So you start the list right away. A couple things I already mentioned. Universities are excellent places to learn of quality treatment services that are free. They even provide sometimes therapeutic services. They're doctoral level students. There's treatment being offered there. Another one is recovery coaches. If you call a recovery community organization in your area, those people are on the ground. They know what's available. They don't, they know the good from the bad. They know the wait list. They know the bumps in the road that the person may, may have with A or B treatment. So you start early and I'll guarantee you, your list is going to end up really short. It's going to look like you haven't been working at it. But by the time you figure out wait lists, admission criteria, how you're going to pay for it, forget that your loved one is resistant and not going to go anywhere right now or do anything right now, but get that list going anyway, despite that you're telling me they're not interested, they won't do it, or I've done it, they've done it, it won't work, it's been tried. I want that list. I want that list as, as whole as you can make it. So all sorts of, of activities, wellness and exercise, internships, anything like that. And then the classic treatment stuff. And there, and there you go from inpatient residential, these 30-day programs. By the way, even insurance companies that agree to pay for it will agree to pay for only a percentage of it. So be careful. Like the family I was just working with, they ended up with a $6,000 bill. And that was after insurance covered, you know, a whole chunk of it. And that includes all the way down to drop-in centers, recovery community organizations. You want to include medications and psychopharm and a psychiatrist if you need it. You want to look for all these things and then have them at the ready when your loved one says, you know what, I'm, I'm really sick of myself. I, I don't know what, what's wrong with me. I can't seem to do, can't seem to do anything. Well, I wonder, you know, I've been working on this list for you. I, I'm not sure what might be interesting to you, but can I show it to you? I think that's an important piece, Dominique, is also to let families know, don't jump the gun. Don't jump the gun and start putting the list in front of your family member until you understand the communication concepts, because you can also kind of sabotage yourself if you don't have those communication skills down and understand really how to present different options to your loved one so that you're most likely to get a yes or at least an I'll think about it. 
Yeah, yeah. So what happens if you do it in the wrong time and your loved one says, nah, no, I'm fine. I'm not drinking, you know, you're just going to teach them to say no. And we don't want them to say no. So you need to find the right moment. And for that, we go to module eight and we talk about wishes and dips, you know, moments when you can hear your loved one not being so happy with themselves or wanting more or not feeling good, change talk. It's motivational interviewing, we call it change talk. You start to listen for it. Families tell us, oh, I think I'm starting to hear it, wishes and dips. And even if you hear them at first, maybe you don't jump to it because you need that communications training. You need to understand that it's, you're not gonna just jump to the end here with treatment, that you need a plan, you need to calm down, you need um, the beginnings of an understanding of how and when to talk about treatment to do it right. Well, and the one thing that I would add is I watch people all the time say, she says she wants to go into treatment. She says she's ready. And then there's this incredible level of excitement of the family. Oh my God, here we go. I'm like, calm down, <laughs> calm down. Because as soon as you get excited and you whip out your list, you're like, great, I've been waiting for this for the last six months. Here we go. I have all this, all these, re it's like, calm down. Because the most important aspect of communicating this information is you cannot look like you're invested in it, because it has to be their idea. You're just doing the day to day work so that it could be their idea, which I understand is a very complicated issue. And so we are not going to be talking about that in this podcast, but you want the other person to have it as their idea. And this just happens to be available to them. And when they say that they're interested, you're not like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You calm down. It's like, oh, well, I have a list if you're interested. I'd love to show it to you. And then you walk away because once we do that, I'm in your face look at this. Oh, you said that you were interested. Or even if they say they're going to go call and you're like, did you call? Did you do it? Did you do that? Then it becomes yours. Your job is to stop doing that because that's the pressure. That's the coercion. That's the invasiveness that people feel about you. So just, it's okay. Even with the wish or dip, it's just a possible way to step forward, but you're not going to get so attached to this that you're going to fall off the cliff of disappointment when they don't do it. Yeah, it's the defensiveness. You really don't want to build the defensiveness in them. You're already starting out, I will almost guarantee you, in opposition to one another, right? You have ideas and they are backing up and they are getting around you and they are, they are not taking responsibility for themselves because you are doing it. You have such strong ideas and strong needs around this because you need to settle, right? Ultimately, you need to settle. You need to not fear the fact that it's going to cost $100,000. The next time he relapses, this is the end. I'm going to be, you know, so there's, there's lots of fear in this game of watching your loved one go up and down and bump around. But that bumping around is learning, is learning about themselves, what sets them off, how they drink. Do you see smaller relapses? Do you see less relapse? Do you see... Uh, less dangerous relapse. I mean, this is the progress we want you to see. It's not a drinking, stop, never start again kind of uh, situation. It's it's one that has all these little ups and downs. I, I want to just stress because we have to end, but this idea of getting on the same side as your loved one is going to improve not just your ability to engage them into treatment or, or wellness activities. It just 
drops the tension between you so dramatically. I just saw that with this family. It was like, you know, we care about you. We are going to surround you and your family with all of this attention and solid ideas. We're gonna move you to health, all of you together. You're gonna stay together. And it's like all of a sudden that opposition dropped away. Now we can talk about treatment. And that took some time. It took time for the wife in this case to wanna do anything with him anymore. She just drove him home from two hours of him passed out in the back seat with the five month old in the booster seat, in the seat in the back, you know? So she's seen something she never wants to see again. That's all she knows. And so it really is about getting on the same side. And that's what craft is all about, is teaching the family how to partner, how to hold their hands, how to reach down to them and help them up. Um, when you get those softer edges about you, they get soft and they get more willing. And in the case of this young family, he hasn't had a drink for about five days and nobody's asked him to stop drinking. Yeah, I also think the softness of it and learning the communication skills, because I don't know who it was. One of you two kind of alluded to this earlier on. It's about relationship building. It really is. And, and those communication skills and interactive skills is all about relationship building. And what it ends up doing is it kind of changes your view of what substance use disorder is and our views of our loved ones and why they're behaving that way. And I also would say, make a big long list, but only pick two or three at a time if you're interacting with your loved one, because also a lot of the time I, I like to have some kind of hanging in the wings so that if this doesn't work out, I'm ready with, you know, some, and I'm trying not to overwhelm and also understand that a no in the beginning isn't a permanent no right? That I have found that I'll get a, no, no, I'm not doing that. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. Of course, you don't have to do anything on my list is one of the best things that I can say. And then I walk away, but I know that every single time I do that, I know they're thinking, my loved one is thinking about what we talked about. And I know this because oftentimes he comes back and he brings it up later on well, you know, that's not going to work. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, you don't have to do it. Do you have any other ideas? <laughs> and it makes it his, it doesn't make it mine and I'm not overwhelming him. And I know he's thinking about it. And really that's the goal. I remember my disclaimer. Okay. I love this disclaimer. It really works when you, you approach him and you just say, I just want, you to know, I've been playing around with this list of things to do and resources out there and treatment. I'm just kind of futzing. I just want to see what's out there. I know you're not really interested, so I don't want to show it to you, but I've got, I've been playing around with that. So, <laughs> and then what happens is that's the resistance. If you're like, oh, you know, I know you're not, then they're like, well, no, I am interested. Oh. But if you, and so the, I love that line. It's like, oh, I just am doing this thing. Eh, you, you, I'm sure you don't care about that, but I'm doing this just kind of to see what's out there just because I'm curious. Yeah, I do that all the time, Kayla. I do. Oh, I'll bring something up and then I go, oh, for, forget it. That it never mind, and it works all the time. It's Every like, time. yeah. Okay, Kayla, can you wrap us up? This was a great conversation, and I hope that our listeners get um, some benefit and some understanding out of it. 
So today's today's topic is about treatment and how you're going to be looking at treatment in a very, very, very different way, which is that treatment is anything that engages the person, that provides meaning, that allows them to look at themselves, that has structure or a holding environment, that allows somebody to move from being messy to more organized in terms of how they are feeling about themselves and also really looking at what our role in presenting that is. So you want to do the research on it and then you really have to take a pause to figure out how you're going to put it out there and not be so attached to the outcome. You're really doing that treatment so that you know what's out there and you want it to be as comprehensive as possible. So when you're feeling out of control, it's one thing that you could do to work on feeling a sense of agency, which is to put together this treatment list, which will have a purpose at some point later when it's time, but you'll have it ready. And you just keep working on it and modifying it um, without the pressure. Thank you. Okay, ladies, talk to you later. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or a guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesinrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, and our production team.